If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 will begin in verse 8. We went through uh, the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2 last week. So this week we'll start in Luke chapter 8, not chapter 8, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, going through the end of verse 21. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I have a confession to make to you this morning uh, about our weekly gathering together, about my role in that gathering. I have a least favorite part. You might even say that it's the part I dislike the most, the part I borderline hate. Uh, that part is called the announcements. <laughs> I don't like the announcement portion of our worship service. Uh, that's why we put it really before the call to worship, so that it's not technically a part of the worship service. And I don't like the announcements, not because of any faults in the announcements. Faults. We're the ones who make them. Uh, the, the announcements are amoral. They didn't do anything. The problem with the announcements is me. I stink. And giving you guys the announcements. I'm bad at it. I'm awful at telling you what I'm supposed to announce to you every week. It's written down on a piece of paper, and somehow, every week, I forget something. I read it from the paper, and yet, every week, something I do not announce that I'm supposed to announce. I get home, I ask Destiny about something that's going on in the church on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I say, hey, what do you think about this upcoming event that we have? And she says, what upcoming, what upcoming event? I say, the, 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 the thing I announced on Sunday. She says, you didn't announce anything about that on Sunday. <laughs> I said, I didn't? She said, no. Are you sure? Because I think I did it. She said, I'm positive. I listen when you speak and announce things, and you said nothing about it. Well, that's a problem. Because there's only so many Sundays left now. Every week. It's so frustrating that I'm so bad at the announcements. Because they're important. The announcements matter. If they didn't matter, surely we would just cut them. We wouldn't do it. Especially because I don't like them. <laughs> I just wouldn't do them. But they matter. If the event matters, the announcement of the event must also matter. It's my goal in the next year as your pastor to get better at the announcements. That's one of the many things that I want to get better at as your pastor, is to be a better announcement <coughs> giver. Because they matter. 
The content matters. The event matters. So me telling you about the event has to matter. Not just the generic bare bones announcement of what it is, but enough details for you to know what something is, when it is, why it's happening, what the goals are, why you should care about it. If the event is important, the announcement for the event should also be just as important. In today's text, what we get is the announcement of Christ's birth. We get the announcement from angels speaking to shepherds about the birth of Christ. The birth was important, so the announcement is important. The announcement has to happen. And when it happens, from its happening, what we can see in the text today are four glorious implications of the angel's announcement of Christ's birth. Four glorious implications of the angel's announcement of Christ's birth. First of all, we see that even the outcast can hear this announcement. Look at the first two verses. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The outcasts can hear the announcement of Christ's birth. See, shepherds are the ones who receive this announcement. They're the first ones to hear after the baby's born in the manger. And shepherds, especially at this time, were not men of great reputations. They had very low standing in society. They were not respected. They had no kind of status that you would notice or that you would think would be the people who hear this announcement. They were dirty, blue-collar workers. They had no real power. The religious people didn't like them because they were always working. They weren't able to show up on uh, Sundays. Not Sundays, but Saturdays. They weren't able to participate in all the religious festivals. They weren't the kind of people that you would immediately think would be the first to hear the birth of the King of Kings. And yet the message came to them these men, these outcasts, with no reputation, no respect, men of low repute, even the outcasts from here. Not only were they shepherds, so by their occupation, they had no reputation, but these were men who were far from the center. They were out in the field. They weren't in the town. Bethlehem wasn't even much of a town. And they weren't even close enough to Bethlehem to be considered in Bethlehem. They were out in the field. Jerusalem's the city. Bethlehem is the suburb. They were out in the boonies. They were out in the field. They weren't anywhere near the center of life. They were out in the pasture. These shepherds were out far from the center of where everything happened. Far from the center of where the excitement typically was. And the message still came to them. Even the outcast, even those far from the center, can hear the announcement of Christ's birth. Not only were they outcasts because they were shepherds, not only were they outcasts because they were out physically, out in the field, but they were outcasts because they were working the night shift. Okay, so even among shepherds, these are the night shift guys. No one ever decides when they wake up at 18 years old and go out to get a job, you know what I want to do? I want to work nights. That's what I would love to do. Well, you might not know this about me, uh, but in college, I was a guard at the county jail. I worked the weekend night shift in Fayetteville, Arkansas, a college town. I worked the weekend night shift at Fayette, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, a college town with a vibrant street known as Dixon Street with a lot of bars. 
You might not know that by looking at me. I don't really look like a jail guard, weekend, night shift kind of guy. <laughs> but that's the night shift I had. No one who worked at the jail wanted to work the shift that I worked. You were assigned to the weekend night shift. That's what you were handed. You had not found favor with your bosses if you were working the shift that I was working. <laughs> these men, these shepherds, may have been letting their sheep out in the pasture at night because it was summer, it was cooler. That might be the reason. But it might just be that they were night shift guys. Most normal, upstanding people in society don't choose to work the night shift. You get stuck with it. So even among the shepherds, even among the outcasts, even the, among those who are far from the center, these weren't the guys that you would typically think they have everything going for you. And yet the message came to them. All the same, those who had found no favor in the world of men heard the announcement of Jesus' birth. These were men who were also filled with great fear. Read the end of verse 9. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When the angel appeared, the shepherds reacted like most people do when they see an angel in Scripture. Their first reaction is immediately to be scared out of their minds. They're filled with great fear. They were boldly coming before the throne of grace, like Hebrews tells us to do. They weren't confident in their standing before the messengers of God. They were cowering in the corner, assuming that the worst message possible could have come to them. And yet, the best message possible came to them. In the announcement of Christ's birth, the outcasts, even those who don't expect it, get to hear the best news possible. They get to hear the gospel of Christ given to them. Look at the beginning of verse 9. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, to these guys. The shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, cowering in fear, get to hear the message of the birth of the Savior of the universe from an angel. The message came even to them. They were men of no repute. They were far from the sinner, having found no favor in the world. They responded to the message in immediate fear, and yet the message came to them all the same. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ came to them directly from messengers sent from God himself. Even to these men, the announcement came. The outcast can hear. So we who have the message have to proclaim the message to those same people. We have to be willing to speak to men just like these. Women just like these men were. We should proclaim that message to these same people. We have to carry out the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to even those who have no good reputation. Because apart from God, such were some of we. Such were some of us. We are those people. We have to carry the same message far from the center. Far from where we're comfortable. Far from where the action typically is. We have to go out into the, the highways and byways. Proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To all who are far off and all who are near. That's who gets the message of God. That's who gets the gospel. Because we were those people. We were alienated, far from God, hostile in mind to him and his message, and yet it came to us. We have to take the message to those who have found no favor in this world, those who get stuck with things, 
those who get assigned to the night shift. They don't get to choose what they do, how they do it, when they do it, why they do it. You have to take the message even to those who have experienced no favor in the world because there is eternal and endless favor found for them in the gospel of Christ. That though you are alienated, though you are hostile in mind, there is good news for you. We should take the message to those who are living in fear. We are surrounded by fear. Particularly right now, it's 2021. We've gone through, I don't know, eight years or so of this pandemic. <laughs> People have been afraid for a long time. They're cowering in fear. And we're gonna come to them with a, a, a gospel of uh, any particular medicine or a healing from the vaccine, any of those things. We come to them with a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because that love within that message casts out fear. You may still experience it. You may still have ramifications of the consequences of sin in this life. COVID could still get them. But perfect love will cast out fear. And the gospel is perfect love given to you and to me. We can boldly proclaim just as the angels did because the outcast can hear and be called to life by the good news of Jesus Christ. The first glorious implication of the angel's announcement is that the outcasts can hear this announcement. It came even to be shepherds. And this announcement itself is good news. There is good news. Good news is to be had. That's the second glorious implication of the angel's announcement, that there is good news. They don't just come to these guys with a generic announcement. They don't just come to these guys with a generic message. They don't just come to these guys with a message of judgment, which they could have. They came to these guys who were cowering in fear, and the first thing that the angel says to them is, in verse 10, fear not. Don't be afraid. There's good news. The announcement of the birth of Christ ushered in good news even to men like this, even to shepherds such as these. To the shepherds who were cowering in fear, the angel immediately spoke comfort. He calmed their fears. And he did so through the message that they came to give to the shepherds. See, it says, fear not, for behold. It's not just don't be afraid. It's don't be afraid because. There's a reason not to be afraid. It's not vain comfort. It's not shallow trying to cast out fear. It is fear not, for. Fear not, because. Look and listen to what we have to say because of that message, you should not fear. So there is good news for the shepherds even before they know what the good news is, that they don't have to be afraid. The angel hasn't even told them what the good news is, and he's already saying, you don't have to be afraid. That's the introduction to the message. That's the good news. Before they get to the real good news, there is already good news in you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to cower in fear. When my daughter wakes up from her nap, she does so in one of two ways. One is a soft whine. One is a scream, which I'm not gonna do for you. She wakes up whining or screaming every time she wakes up from uh, her night-long rest, from a nap, that's how she wakes up. That's how she lets us know, I am awake. I would like to not be in this crib anymore. 
She's afraid. She needs comfort. I walk in. I turn on the light. Flinches. And the first words I say are, it's okay, baby Jane. And by the time I'm done saying that, she's already stopped. She's not crying anymore. She's not whining anymore. She has no idea why it's okay. She doesn't understand the fullness of the good news I'm about to give her. There is a clean diaper. There is a full bottle. There is a hug waiting for her. She doesn't know that. She's four months old. She has no idea. But what she does know is my voice. She knows that I'm the one who said, it's okay. It's okay, baby Jay. You don't have to be afraid. She gets good news before she even gets the content of the good news. That's what the shepherds got. That's what the shepherds got. The comfort of the good news before the ramifications, the full implications, before the full content of the good news. Fear not. For behold, then they get to the good stuff. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news has come. Not only is there good news, not only does it exist, but it has come to these shepherds. It has come to these men. There is good news. They don't merely bring a formless or empty message that's just meant to relieve the shepherd's fears once they show up. They brought with them good news of great joy for all the people. Good news. The word the angels use here for good news, glad tidings, is the same word that I've said to you over and over. We get our word gospel from. They came bringing the gospel of the birth of Jesus Christ to these men. That's the content of the good news. The birth of Jesus, who he is and what he is going to do, that is the good news. And there is good news even before they tell that news to the shepherds. They said, I fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel. The birth of Jesus is the gospel. It is the good news that they have come to tell the shepherds. And with that gospel, it is good news of great joy. It is the gospel of great joy. Not only should the shepherds not fear because of this good news, but they should have the opposite. It's not just don't be afraid. It's not just there's good news. It's don't be afraid. There is good news. And this good news is news of great joy. That's for all the people. It's not just, no, don't fear. It's not just he has come. It's have joy. Experience great joy. The highest of their possible range of emotion should be their response to this news. That when they hear the birth of Jesus, great joy is the obvious result, the obvious effect of that good news. Not only the absence of fear, not only joy, but great joy for all the people. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, the outcast can not only hear the message, he can experience the great joy in the message. The outcast and the accepted can get in on this. 
the exceptional, and the average can get in on this. The 1% and the food stamp recipient can get in on this. The high school dropout, the PhD, both of them can get in on this. The American and the Russian, the Republican and the Democrat, the white and the black. It is glad tidings of great joy for all the people, for everyone. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. And they don't just come with a generic message that there is good news. They tell you what the news is. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the good news they came to proclaim. That unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's born unto you. Yes, even you. That phrase is spoken from an angelic messenger of the almighty Alpha and Omega to some God in Israel. We don't get the shepherds' names. We know there's more than one of them. That's about the fullness that we know about the shepherds. But yet unto you, unto them, is Christ the Lord born. It's a generic phrase. It's unto whoever's reading this, unto whoever's hearing this, unto whoever's in front of me. Christ is born unto you, for you, with glorious implications unto you. And he is born. He is born in the flesh. Though he is God, he is born as a baby, taking on human flesh. He's born of a virgin, and so without sin, even in his human nature, and he is truly man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Unto you is born, actually born, in the city of David. They tell them where he is. They say, go find him. He's born in a real place that's not far from where they were, in the city of David. They give him the location. They say, go find this child. Verify what we're saying. But in saying the city of David, they could have just said Bethlehem, right? They could have just said up the road, right there. They sent the city of David to remind the shepherds of the promises of God to David. That in the birth of the baby, he was keeping the covenant to David and in David all of Israel. That all the covenantal promises of God were coming to pass. That they were going to get a kingly offspring who would rule forever. And that now is being fulfilled in Christ. In the city of David is one who is born of the house and lineage of David, who will rule on David's throne over the people of God forever. That's why they say in the city of David, unto you is born this day in the city of David. This day. It came on the day of Christ's birth. The angels come and announce that birth. They come with the good news on that same day. It says this day, behold, today is the day that you get good news. Today is the day that you have great joy. Today is the day you do not have to fear. It has come now in the birth of Christ. Paul talks about this same idea in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. He says, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's that same message that the angels are coming and giving to the shepherds. Unto you is born this day a savior. You already have a savior today. That's the message they're bringing. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the culmination of the good news. That's everything that's been leading up to this throughout the entire, all of creation, 
but specifically in these last couple weeks leading up to Christmas, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That the baby in the manger is the Savior of all the universe. That's the content of the good news that the angels came to give to the shepherds. Christ the Lord, our Savior. He himself is the good news. His coming leads to great joy. The angels come to these lowly outcasts with the royal proclamation of the birth of the King of Kings, who has come to rule and reign over the people of God and the throne of David, and in his rule, in his power, he will save his people from their sins. Once he was born to say a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's the fullness of the good news that they are given. That's the greatness which is going to give them the great joy. But there is a Savior. See, the good news of Christmas, that there is a Savior, actually begins with some very bad news. That you need to be saved. You are a sinner living in exile, alienated from God because of your sin. But God, being rich in love, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, was not willing to allow you to remain in exile. Was not willing to allow you to remain in your sin, alone without him in the world. So out of love for you, out of zeal for his own glory, he gave his son to be born in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to fulfill the law and live the perfect life that you could not live without sin. All so that one day he could take your sin and die with it. He could die the death that you deserve to die, the death that you should have died, and then he could come back to life to give you an eternal life that you never deserved. That's the good news of Christmas, which begins with the bad news that you need to be saved. But out of that bad news that you need to be saved, there is the good news that there is a Savior who is born to you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. The third glorious implication of the angel's announcement is that there is glorious peace. Not only is there good news, but with that good news comes a glorious peace. Look at verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, so there's a multitude now. Before there was one angel, one magnificent angel, which caused the guys to fear. And now that one angel is joined by a multitude. But you don't see the shepherds continuing to cower in fear, do you? They've already been told, fear not. There's a Savior. He's born unto you this day. See, the multitude of the heavenly hosts, after just the one guy, should have really scared them a whole lot more, should that's not what they get. They're no longer cowering in fear. There's now a multitude of, of the messengers, a heavenly host, praising, giving glory to God. And the content of their glory, the content of their message, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So there's a multitude of messengers giving glory to the God of glory. Not only do they give him some generic glory, some vain kind of glory, but they give him who is the highest, the highest glory. Glory to God in the highest. Now that in the highest can be taken to have two meanings. Does it refer to God or does it refer to the glory? Does it mean that God, who is the highest being, dwells in and receives his glory in that infinite perfection? Glory to the God who is in the highest? I said a few weeks ago that God, simply by being God, is the being greater than which none can conceive. 
He's as great as great could possibly be, and greater, infinite in his greatness. So when they're giving this glory and praise, they are giving it to the God who is the highest. But the glory that they are giving is also in the highest possible. It's also the highest possible glory that they could give. The glory they're giving is the best glory that can be given to anyone. Because he is the highest and he dwells in the highest, the glory that is given to him is the highest glory the angels can give. The visuals here, it's one of a multitude that you cannot number of beings so magnificent that they cause all who see them to cower in fear, giving the highest praise, the greatest glory that they can muster to all of the God who is saving the world through the birth of a baby in a manger. Glory to God in the highest. The highest glory that you could possibly give to the greatest being that could possibly be conceived. To God of glory. You also see a personal peace within this message. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. As they praise him, as they give him glory, they're doing so by proclaiming his peace to his world. Now there's some explanation that I've got to do here, right? Because I don't know if your verse says the same thing that mine does. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Very likely you have a verse that says, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what the songs say, isn't it? Glory to God, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what the King James Bible said. There's still a lot of verses today that say that. But yet mine says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I'm not going to get into the textual reasons why we sometimes have slightly different verses, why some versions say one thing while another one says a different thing, between the translation and the manuscripts and all that. I'm not going not to waste time uh, to this morning talking through all of those things, though we could at some point if you'd like to, mainly because I think the meaning doesn't really change. Peace, goodwill to men, may sound like it's a wider application of this peace rather than peace with whom he is pleased but all people may receive this peace all people may be those with whom God is pleased the other phrasing doesn't actually limit the peace peace among those with whom he is pleased can actually be just as wide an application as the other generic peace goodwill toward men and I actually think it gives us a proper perspective as to God's peace that's given to men you see, in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, peace has come generically to men. There is goodwill toward men because Christ has come. But all men don't experience that peace in the same way. Those with whom God is pleased, Christians, those who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Christ, they experience the fullness of that peace. The greatest of goodwill. Because they can actually lay hold on that which is the good news, Christ. This isn't a limiting factor to the peace because anyone can get it on this. Even the outcasts, they can hear. I said before, there's not a single person on the planet who is outside the bounds of being saved by God in his gospel, through his good news, in the birth of Christ. Anyone can be pleased. 
There's peace among all with whom he is pleased, and he can be pleased with anyone and will be pleased with everyone who comes to faith in Christ. There is peace, goodwill to men, in the birth of Christ. And there is a special and particular kind of peace among those with whom he is pleased. The fourth glorious implication of the angel's message today is that men can respond. It's not just that there is an announcement, it's not just that there is a message, but you, a man, you, a woman, you, a human being, can respond to this message and receive that same peace. Men can respond just as the shepherds did. Men can see him. They can see the Christ. Verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The angels gave their announcement. They returned to heaven to continue praising God in the highest, and the shepherds went to go see for themselves. They went to the city of David. They went to Bethlehem. They tried to find the sign that they had been told that there would be a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And they found him just as the angel said they would. Nothing the angel said was untrue. It would all come to pass, even the peace to God's people. It is possible for men to see Christ and find that the words of the proclamation, the words of the promises of God are true in him. You can see him. Men can also make him known, verse 17. Once they saw him, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. See, once you see him for who he is, you can then make him known to others. You can spread who he is to the people around you. The shepherds saw that he is who they were told he would be, so they made him known. They told people about the promise of peace. They told people about the birth of the Savior in the manger. When they saw him, they spoke about who he is, just as we should. And once they spoke, once they spread who he was, they caused men to wonder. Verses 18 and 19. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That speech, that message that they used to make him known, which started from the heavenly hosts and then went to these lowly shepherds, these humble herders, all who heard it were caused to wonder. And we don't know the, the fullness of this wondering, whether the people who heard it immediately started to believe that he was the Savior. They started to put their faith in him from that moment forward. I doubt it. But they were wondering. They had to think about it. They had to respond in some way. It might have just been a crazy story, but they were at least wondering. See, Mary heard that same story and began to ponder all these things in her heart. The message of the shepherds caused one, even one, who had heard from an angel directly who Christ was and what he would be, to have something to think about, to wonder, to ponder in her heart, in the fullness of who she was, in the deepest parts of who she is. She has to reconcile who is this baby lying in the manger, just as each and every man on the planet must. Men can wonder, but men can also glorify. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, the end result of the shepherds' response was to glorify God. It was to praise Him, just as the angels were doing. They went back to their lives, yes. They returned to their fields. They went back to the night shift. 
but they did so differently. They returned, but now they were praising. Now they were giving glory to God. Not because they had already reaped so much benefit from the baby in the manger. All they did was see him. They didn't know the fullness of who he was or what he was going to do. They didn't know what that would look like. And they went back to their normal lives. The baby came and everything was different. And yet, a lot of it kind of seemed just the same. And yet, they continued to praise and glorify God. Not because he had given them a new status in society, but because they had seen the baby in the manger who was the Savior. Just a look was all it took. They saw the baby and they praised and gave glory to God. They had heard that he had come to save and give peace to men, and they believed that, that was true. They hoped that that was true. They trusted the message that they had been given. And that caused them to glorify and praise the God of the universe. See, when you take the message to the outcast, the outcast can respond. And that outcast response, just like yours, can end in the praise and glory of the God of the universe, just as it was always intended to. Men can glorify. It's my prayer today that you would believe just as the shepherds did, that you would see the baby in the manger just as they did. But I hope that you'll see him and know that he is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. That you might understand that he's come to give peace to his people by forgiving them of their sins. He's come to redeem those with whom he is pleased. And that you can be a part of that group. Anyone can get in on this. I hope that you'll respond to that message. Respond to seeing him for who he is by praising him. Glorifying him. And giving your life to him. Even as you return to the rest of your life. Even as you go about your week. Your parties, your exchanges, your gatherings, your dinners. Your life might look the same. But if you're praising and glorifying God, everything is different. You've heard the message. I pray that you see the baby and know that it didn't end with a baby in a manger. It didn't even end with a man on a cross. It didn't even end with an empty tomb. It didn't even end with a man ascending to heaven. It will never end. He will return and he will reign and that rule will be forever. That's Christmas. And I hope that this Christmas is a sweet Christmas for you. That you might see him and know him. The baby in the manger who is born unto you, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for sending your son to be born in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Born under the law to redeem those under the law. To fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, which we could not fulfill. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the baby. Thank you for the man. Thank you for the life. Thank you for the death. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the ascension, and thank you for the second coming, which has not yet come to pass. Let us see you in Christmas. Let us see you in the midst of all the trees, in the midst of all the lights, in the midst of all the songs, in the midst of all the gifts. Let us know that we who once were outcasts have heard the message and should now take that message to those same outcasts. 
let us see and know and give glory to you through our response. That though everything may look the same, everything is actually very different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.